everyone. Today we have one of my very good friends, Melissa Wilmot, and she has a really interesting story. She's really overcome a huge challenge in her life. And so I thought it would be interesting. And Kimber thought it would be interesting if we would share uh, with people her story and give people some, uh, a little bit of courage uh, if they have to find out that they also have brain cancer. Melissa survived brain cancer. So I guess, Melissa, let's start with like what may, where did this start? If you like our videos, go ahead and click on like and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Thanks. Well, the the thing that's very interesting, hello everyone. Uh, The thing that's very interesting about brain cancer, which I didn't know, is you have no nerves in your brain. So when you get a headache, that's something that's going on in like the front of your head where you have nerves, but not inside your brain. So you could have something the size of a fist, which is what I had growing in your brain. And until you start slurring or have um, uh, a seizure or, you know, start falling, you know, then no one's going to know that there's anything wrong. According to the Mayo Clinic, glioblastoma is an aggressive cancer that occurs in the brain or in the spinal cord. Some common signs and symptoms of this type of cancer include headache, nausea or vomiting, confusion or a decline in brain function, memory loss, personality changes or irritability, difficulty with balance, urinary incontinence, vision problems such as blurred vision, double vision, or loss of peripheral vision, speech difficulties, and seizures, especially in someone without a history of seizures. So I had a headache that was unbelievable. So it started out on Monday where I was downtown at my office and my boss usually gave me a headache. So I wasn't too worried about it. When I had the headache, when I got home, I usually took a couple Tylenol and went to bed. And so I took the two Tylenol, I went to bed and I woke up the next morning and it was still there. And I thought, well, that's interesting because I usually don't get headaches that last that long. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, I took another couple Tylenol and then I took the Tylenol with me and I went to work. And, um, I, and I had that headache all day long. And I thought, well, this is crazy. So I, t- you know, I took every four hours, I took the Tylenol, it wasn't helping. So the next day I woke up and I still had the headache, but it was every day was progressively worse. And I'm like, I don't, and I'm not someone who gets headaches. So I had the headache and then Wednesday morning I got up and it was still there. And I thought, well, you know what, let me, let me see if I can get into the doctor's office. So the first appointment they had was like 4.30. So I said, well, I'll take it. And uh, so I went at about 4.30 and by this time my head hurt a lot. And, um, and so they said, oh, you know, she walked in the room and said, oh, this is because it, was so it wasn't my regular doctor. And she says, oh, this is the fourth, fourth sinus infection I've seen today. And I walked in because I'm funny. And I said, look, as long as you don't tell me I have brain cancer or something like that, just make the pain go away. So that was number one of not asking for brain cancer. And then so she said, okay, here you go. So she gave me some stuff. She goes, but I have to be honest with you. It's late. By the time you get it filled, it's not going to work tomorrow. It's going to work up by Friday. So I got up on Thursday and I was like dealing with a migraine. And then my boss calls me and she says, where are you? And I said, 
where do you want me to be? And because I was so, I, I'm not like that. I'm very nice. And she, I said, where do you want me to be? And I was getting pissy. And it was like, that's not a good sign. It was basically her saying to me, get your shit together and, and, and get on top of this. And I'm like, I don't, I can't. And I'm yelling at her now. I don't yell at people. Kelly, you know that. I'm not. I know you are one of the (laughs) sweetest, polite, nice people I've ever met. I'm, 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 I'm as sweet as the day. Calm. Uh, Yeah. Calm. Easy going. That's how I got the brain cancer. So, um, but I think it was from that boss because she was being mean uh, all the time. And so she says, well, and I said, well, she said, well, where are you now? I said, where do you want me to be? And she's like, and she's like, well, I, I, I don't know. And she goes, well, I am not comfortable with this. And I said, look, I've got four psychologists on the phone right now. And I don't have time to talk to you. And I hung up on her. Yeah, I don't do that. You don't do that with your boss. You know, that's just not something that you do. Well, I woke up on Friday. It was just still horrible. So I said, this is crazy. So the next morning, it, and it was so funny because I'd lie in bed and and the pain would go away because I'd lie this way. And so what was happening is the tumor, when I did that, was pulling away from my brain. And so I didn't have the pain anymore. So if I'm lying in bed like this, happy as a clam. Doesn't matter. I'm good. Mm-hmm. So I went to get up and 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 I'd, I'd have these like blackouts almost. Well, they were blackouts. So I went in on Saturday. I went into the ER. And I said to the doctor, I said, look, as long as you don't tell me I have brain cancer, just make the pain go away. You know, and he goes, oh, okay." And he says, well, what did your doctor say? I said, she thought I had a sinus infection. He goes, well, I think you have a sinus infection, too. And I said, great. Give me something for the pain. So how long of a period of time was it before when you first felt ill to when you really were diagnosed? Yeah. Seven days. So Monday morning, I wake up and I said to my, I said to Curtis, I said, I think because by this point, I'm driving myself to the hospital because it's not, it's nothing. So now I said, I think you need to just take me to the hospital because I, there's something wrong with me and I'm slurring my words and I'm walking into walls and I'm thinking, so he, we got in the car at like four, four 30, whatever it was in the morning. And so I, get in the car, we go to the doctor and he kind of drops me off because he's got to get home now and get the kids up and get them off to school because I don't have brain cancer or anything. (laughs) So then we went into the, I went into the ER. I don't remember things from there. I mean, things got a little, I must've had an MRI because that's the only way they can see what's in there. Yeah. I had an MRI, but I don't necessarily remember it. And then I came back and if anybody knows anything about mental disorders, all doctors are on the spectrum somewhere. So the autism spectrum. Sure. So like, you know, they're, they're very smart at what they do, but they have absolutely no social skills. So I, I said to him, I said, look, as long as you don't tell me I have brain cancer, you know, brain cancer, then I'm, you know. So I remember him telling me he walked in, no, how are you? We just did the MRI, you know? Um, so I'm a, I'm a social worker, you know? So it wasn't anything like that. He just said, you have brain cancer. 
Well, how did he know? What kind of test did they do? They did did an MRI. So that's like an Okay, that's it. That's all they have to do. Yeah. Okay. So they did an x-ray because it's something that you don't see. Sure. And there's no reason to to get an MRI of your brain unless you had some sort of trauma. Yeah, they're very expensive. You know, my father, Melissa, passed away from glioblastoma. That's what I had. Yeah. So and back, this was, gosh, uh, over 15 years ago. He was rather young. He was in his late 50s. And Mm -hmm. I remember the same thing when they diagnosed, when the doctor gave him his diagnosis, he wheeled him out after they did some exploratory stuff and and it's in the second stage of it. And he was like, you only have two years to live. And I remember my my father was like, so upset that the doctor would be so blunt, you know, but I think a lot of them. And that's the thing is, is we can't take the responsibility ourselves. Not me. I mean, and those things, I was such a shock because I, I don't drink. I've never drank. I don't smoke. I've never smoked. I've never smoked weed. My first drug I ever did was chemotherapy. According to the National Brain Tumor Society, approximately 13,000 people in the U.S. will be diagnosed with glioblastoma in 2021. The five-year survival rate is 7.2%, and the median length of survival is only eight months. I know. You know, and so I, I, he was a health nut, and he right. really I worked long. out almost every day. And so when people found out that I had brain cancer, it was like a shock. Because I can I, can I interject at this no, point? Speaking no. of that, <laughs> your husband called yeah. me mm-hmm. and said, "Kels, I have bad news." And I, I'm like, "Okay, what? <laughs> I didn't yeah. expect anything really that bad." It was bad. I, he, when he told me Melissa has brain cancer, right? I wailed. Mm-hmm. I cried. You could probably hear me a mile away. I right. couldn't calm down. I couldn't stop. And I feel like a little bit, I was feeling his pain, right? You know, I'm an empath and, and a little bit, well, a lot, like, right? No, not her. Right. Somebody no. else. You must be talking about somebody else. Yeah. So wonderful. And so perfect. Yeah. And so like, no, right. I just couldn't process it. So it, I guess there's no easy way to tell someone. No, but, but I mean, look, if I came in and I looked into doing this and then I thought, no, it's not even going to work. I, if I was a, a, a physician's assistant, let's just say, I would walk, walk in with him and I would say, look, we did an MRI. We saw something that we didn't necessarily like. You're more than welcome to go get a second opinion, but we think you have a brain tumor. How much nicer is that to do yeah. with rather than tumors are better cancer. than cancer? Right. And then cancer's the next. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and we so, think you have is better right. than you right. have. You cancer. have, yeah. And yeah. so you know, we think, and so that's that's the. Well, the thing is, you always want to have hope. You always want to have some kind of hope. Right. Too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if you say we think, and then you could, you're, um, you're more than welcome to get a second opinion, right. then you think, oh, I have some chance, but if you write right. a phone call, it gives you time to process it, yeah. you have right. time to, but, but that's, that's for a normal doctor. Right. All the doctors have like autism. They just don't know how to, they, mm-hmm. but I'd rather have that doctor operate on me. Sure. Right. Sure. Anybody's ever seen, what is it? Not young Sheldon. It's a good doctor. Right. Right. A, you know, a story about a, a doctor who has autism but he still operates and he's fantastic so um you know i'd rather have him operate on me and not have social skills but i just want to be told in a nice way 
I know it's the, t- it's well, like, I just didn't like a- you have a, a funny reaction. Like what, what, what did you say when he told you that? I can't, I, I didn't really say much. Probably in shock. Yeah, a little bit. yeah I was in shock. Yeah. I didn't cry because I thought, well, yeah. Oh, oh, okay. And by the way, everyone in my family has had cancer. So both my parents died of cancer. My uncle died of cancer. So my cousin and I have an ongoing joke of it's not, it's not if it's when. And mm-hmm. people say, oh, don't say that. No, no, we're going to get it. It's just mm-hmm. when. But I got it really early. You know, I got it in my 40s, which is too early. It is early. Yeah. And you'd, you'd mentioned that, you know, you were working for somebody and you were kind of joking, like, that's why I got the cancer. But it's so funny. Yeah that my father was going through a real stressful period of time too. And he was, he's one of those, he was one of those right. that was really That's in his head, very yeah. physical in his head. Right. So I always kind of, thought you know in some weird way that's why he got right. it you know right and that's and that's that's I, I I believe the one that was so mean to me and she, you know was the reason that I got the brain cancer so um <clears throat> so she was very very mean to me she made me cry I don't cry easily mm-hmm. and she made me cry and she'd say things to me that were totally inappropriate She'd do things to me like, you know, we're off at four or four thirty. She'd call me when she knew I was in the valley. She'd call me and say, can you come down here to downtown, which is if without traffic, it's like 15 minutes. But when you're going down at, at four thirty, which is five o'clock traffic, it's an hour, an hour and a half. Yeah. So I said, well, is it anything we can talk about? Like, no, you need to come down here because I need to talk to you in person. Okay. So I go all the way down there and then you have to park off campus and then you get it and it's a huge building. So you have to get out, get out, get in, go up, you know, you know, get a pass, go up. And then, you know, it's just, it's ridiculous. So um, I went all the way down there and she goes, do you know where such and such as file is? <laughs> I just looked oh at her and I went and I like kept looking at her and I, cause where she was talking to me was right over by the file cabinet. And I pulled out my, like literally not even looking and just staring at her, pulled it out. I said, it's right here in my drawer. She goes, oh, okay, thank you. That's why she wanted you to come down there. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Talk about it. A toxic work environment can really hurt your health, your, yeah. your mental health too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really. And yeah, stress, you know, I always attribute mo- a lot of things to stress. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, they say stress kills. I yeah. mean, when your immune system is low, yeah. things can right. with the glioblastoma. I'm surprised that they said to him that he would live. How long did he live? Your dad? Well, you know, this he did actually. To, it's ironic that the doctors gave him two years, and he really did die after two years. Yeah. But my father was, you know, over 15 years ago. That was, and it, they've right. learned so much more now. Right. But um, he was really proactive. You know, I got to give him a hand. He went. He was on the computer every day doing stuff yeah. and flying yeah. here, flying there. And, yeah. But unfortunately, in his case, it was pretty much true to what the doctor's diagnosis was. Um, right. A very severe case of it. Kind of like what John McCain had, but my father. Well, I had what John McCain had. Yeah, I know. So they give you like six months. Right. And when I said something You're like so that. Lucky. You're so lucky, though, you. Oh, Yeah. No. Well, I did my my grad school thesis on traditional versus non-traditional cancer treatment methods. Oh, that's awesome. And it wasn't like two weeks into this whole process and I went, wait a minute, 
I did, that's what I did my thesis on. And so in my thesis, it proved that if you did a combination of both, that you had a much better chance. I totally agree with that. Prevent, preventative, Eastern, okay. preventative. Eastern versus Western, or yeah. Eastern and, and Western together. Is the best diagnosis. Right. I mean, the best treatment, I should say. Best treatment, well, yeah. And so, also, uh -huh. so we were, I put together a book called Tales of the Lioness, right. which you probably remember, Melissa, which and your mother's story mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. beating cancer. And she, she went to other countries. Yeah, my mom had cancer. I think she died the, the third or fourth time she had third, third, yeah, third time she had it. Um, but she, the first time she went to um, Germany, Bermuda. Oh, Bermuda. Wow. Yeah. And she did this thing where they would, and she, she stayed there for like three months or something. And they would, she'd go in in the morning and they'd take her blood They'd find out what was in it, you know, what was going on. Then they'd um, fill it full of stuff, like antibiotics or whatever they were going to do. And, th and then she'd go back in the afternoon, they'd inject it back into her. So it was kind of an, an immunotherapy kind of thing. And so she got rid of the cancer. And so, okay. And then, so then she went to um, uh, the second time she got it. She got it. Uh, um, she got it again, and the place where she went was no longer functioning. And so she went to uh, she talked to this doctor in Mexico. And I thought, well, I don't want her, you know. And he he has his his. Well, yeah, I didn't know he had his license, but um, you know. So when she said she was going down to Mexico to get treated, I said, well, I'm gonna go there. I'm gonna talk to him, and I'm like, this is before before I got, I got diagnosed. And I said, well, I'm going to go down there and talk to him, make sure he's not trying to steal my mom's money. <laughs> and so I went down to talk to him and I said, can I ask you a question? And he said, sure. And I said, why don't you do this in the States? And he goes, oh, I'm licensed in the States. I have an office in Temecula, which is very close to the border. And I said, and I said, well, why don't you do it there? Because the things that I do are not FDA approved. Sure. And so he does something called Laetril. And so what he does is he laces all of his chemo with Laetril, which is apricot pits. Oh, really? Isn't that crazy? Wow. I bought apricot pits and tried to eat them. They're the most <laughs> vile things I've ever had in my life. So I couldn't do that. Even if it was to save my life, couldn't do it. So, um, I mean, it was so gross. So I tried, but I couldn't do it. It's better than those Chinese herbs. If you've ever been down and get those Chinese herbs that you boil like tea. Oh. Those I are, drink that every morning. Oh, you do? Something oh. called Essiac tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a, a combination of somebody, um, uh, there was a, a woman, Renee Casey, mm -hmm. and she's from Canada, mm -hmm. and she came up with all these, um, you know, herbs that you put in a certain formula, and um, they cure cancer. So I have my Essiac tea every morning, you know? And weren't and, you, uh, I remember you were taking like a, a turmeric? ton of pills and yeah uh, so turmeric yeah so things that yeah turmeric I, I take uh, probably daily but then it was funny because when I went to go see Dr. Black uh after my surgery because he I had met him before I mean I met him a little bit before but not that much so um I went to go see him after and I said is there anything um holistically that you could suggest and he goes oh I can't suggest anything holistically because that's not FDA approved right so if I say take this and it doesn't work then you consume me and I said okay 
So we go to leave and, and he's like, it's, it was a tiny little office, you know, you know, one of the rooms. And he just kept blocking me when I went to leave, you know? And so everybody was out of the room and he just looked at me on my way out and he goes, Mataki mushrooms and walked out of the room. <laughs> oh. So I'm telling you without telling you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He didn't say you need to take, he just said Mataki mushrooms, what could be a topic of anybody's conversation. <laughs> so um, Talking to the wall. Oh, yeah, here about the exactly. That's it. So yeah, so I've been doing that kind of stuff. But I mean, there was a time where I was taking like, 40 pills a day you know and and it was like and then I got breast cancer and I was like well obviously that's not helping hmm. so um but uh yeah so anyway that that was my thing was they came into the hospital the night before the surgery and it was Dr. Black another guy who was doing a trial study that I was going to be involved in and Rebecca who's the the, the nurse practitioner and they all came in to see me and he said and, and I said well what's what's my life expectancy? You know, how, how long do you think I have to live? And he's like, well, we have people that have lived up to six months. And I laughed at him. And I said, oh, you're so funny. I'm a seven-year-old and a 10-year-old. There's no way I'm leaving them alone with my husband. I said, they'll either kill him or he'll kill them. You know, it's one or the other. So I, I need at least, I don't know, I'll take 40 years. Okay. That was, that's all I'm asking is just 40 years. But now I'm on year 14. So yeah, it's, it's crazy. So I'm like one at a, you know, million. So rare. That's well, and so yeah. then you got breast cancer. Then I got breast cancer and I said, so I, was, I, I do MRIs every other month for the rest of my life. Oh, wow. So um, I was there and he says, well, everything looks good. And he goes, and I, you know, and I said, well, what would you like me to do with the biopsy they took from here? And he goes, are you serious? And I said, yep. And he goes, kidding me I mean I love him because he's he's so like honest like that and um by this point I you know gotten this better oncologist so um <laughs> but yeah so so he's like if you can deal with this this is not a problem and so I said okay and they she took it out I had two breast um, biopsies and it was gone so you had breast cancer and I, I don't remember when it was but I a lump was, was found in one of my breasts and I was scheduled to go in and do they were going to do a biopsy but they said right. if, you know if we'll take it out we're just going to right. take it all out right. and so I immediately being the person that I am I like to be prepared I don't like surprises right so I immediately was going to die I that was the yeah plan. well of course going to die yeah and uh -huh. I went and bought a book about breast cancer and read it and then I started thinking well wait what if I don't die what if right maybe they just chop off my breast and then I was right. like well okay then I'll just get new ones okay they right. that. That's, and I, I kind of went backwards to the well what if they just take it out what if I have breast right. cancer and they just take it out well, well okay and so by the time I went in for the surgery I was over it I had lived right. through it already I lived through it as if I'd had right. it and right. um, I think you picked me up, Kimbra, from the surgery. Yeah, I did. Um, and I remember, you know, I just, my boyfriend took me in in the morning and I went to sleep. And then they, I woke up with warm blankets on me and Kimber picked me up. And it was just, I said, it was just kind of like a day at the spa was the worst yeah. thing I could think of was because I didn't feel anything. Right. I didn't nothing, you know. And mm -hmm. um, so then it was Thanksgiving week and I had to go to find out if, if it was cancer or not. Right. And so I, when I went to the doctor, um, he said to me, I did five of those surgeries this week. 
and it is Thanksgiving week. And I just want to let you know, you should be very grateful because you're the only one of all five that didn't have breast cancer. Uh, Oh, it was just the lump. Yeah, it was just a lump. So, you know, but I, I really feel like I, you live through it still. It's a frightening thing. Although, you know, I can't put myself in the category of you, Melissa, have brain cancer and and kids and a husband yeah. and like so much to lose. Right. Um, and so and that was, was my thing is I started you. laughing at them and, and Rebecca, who was the nurse practitioner, she goes, you know, not, it's not 98% of the game is, is, uh, or no, Dr. Black said this 98% of the game is attitude. That's so if I have a good attitude, then, then I'm fine. Yeah. You were you great know? through it. I remember coming to the hospital and visiting you and my mother made you a little bracelet and we were all just praying. praying Yes. You had a lot of love. I think another, another thing, you know, sometimes they say, Oh, karma, you know, things happen. You have karma. Well, I think sometimes things happen to someone to teach those around them. Yeah. The people that love them, uh, a lesson, you know, not necessarily just karma, but like to, to, to broaden their hearts, to widen their hearts. Um, because yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Cause I, all my friends were like, I can't believe it's you. How can uh-huh. you get this? You're so positive and you're so this yep. and that and the other thing. And I said, and so later on, you know, you can't do the why me too much because, yeah. you know, but that was what I figured out was that I was the one who needed to come in and kind of shake everything up and say, yeah. people pay and attention to what's going on. How did your um, outlook change after, like during this, at the post, you know, period? Like, I mean, do you, does it change your attitude about life? It kind of does. I actually lost a friend of mine because she couldn't understand why I was making jokes about it. Right. Like laugh or cry, people. Laugh or cry. I agree. I'm not going to cry. I agree. I know puts me in a negative state. And so I don't want to be in that negative state. That's so, yeah, so I, I, I'm doing fine, you know, I mean, this is a while later, but, um, but yeah, so I think I'm doing, I think I'm doing okay. 14 years. Yeah. 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 I'm still very, yeah, I'm still very tired. Yes. I've watched you. I've known you for a long time. Yes. Longer than that. I know you're only 29. I've known you since I am. Yes, Um, exactly. Uh (laughs) But you know, I've, I've, why it was so hard to digest again is because you were so wonderful, so sweet, so per- just per- you know, perfect, have the perfect life, the perfect husband and kids and all that. Um, but watching you, you go through it gave me even more admiration for you because you you did go through it with humor right. and I think humor gets you through a lot of things. And, right. and, and some tears are okay too. Right. You know, either way, there's nothing wrong, whatever works for you. But right. you have just been such a trooper through the whole thing. Yeah. And, and all the people around you, you know, I think you, you, um, stirred, you know, poked at people's yeah. heartstrings around you right. because, you know, it, it makes people stop and think I better appreciate my life. Right. Because and my friend, like Melissa Wilmot right. get brain cancer and right. survive it like a, like a chain. Right. Yeah. Um, we all can survive whatever life throws our way. Yeah. I had girlfriends of mine saying, Oh, I saw Carrie at a soccer practice. And I was yelling across the field, Carrie, I love you. And, you know, and so it was like, it was kind of that kind of stuff where I think it made people kind of pay attention a little bit more to what they have. We really appreciate you coming on and sharing. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks, Melissa. 